This week on The Other Kind Radio, COVID blues, recently departed, pop culture catch-up, and we jump into the AV time machine to go to 1974 and talk about Francis Ford Coppola's The Conversation. studios here in omaha nebraska welcome to the podcast known as the other kind radio we know it's been a minute we appreciate you the kind listener just uh, hanging with us here it's almost been a month since we've had a um, an episode and uh thank you for all your support and uh encouragement while we were kind of on vacation uh the other kind radio uh episode 97 today is september 15th the Other Kind Radio is a weekly podcast in which Todd and Jeff ping pong around all things pop culture and deliver it to you, the kind listener. My name is Jeff. I'm one of your hosts. Todd will be on shortly. We encourage all of our listeners to like, subscribe to The Other Kind Radio. Uh, radio. radio. By doing so, you're helping feed the algorithm that keeps the podcast universe spinning and our show and its gravitational pull. This episode of The Other Kind Radio is brought to you by, brought to you by in part by Pub 134. Pub 134 is located in Maple Village at 90th and Maple, right here in Omaha, Nebraska. Nick and his talented team of bartenders are ready to, for you to drop by and partake in a cold beverage. I know some of the COVID stuff is, um, some of the mandates here in Omaha are being lifted, which means uh, restaurants and bars and everything uh, are beginning to open up. So stay safe, but if you're in the mood for some football ball, uh, Nick's got a ton of TVs in there, and his friendly staff would be more than happy to try to accommodate your viewing needs. Pub 134, they're ready to serve you. I feel like there should be some catchphrase there. Pub 134, if you don't have a battery, then party on down. Pub 134. We'll work on that. Uh, I think I've lost everybody. Enough of that uh, shenanigans. Let's uh, welcome the real talent to the show that'll help me stay uh, and keep this a little glued together. My podcast partner, he is a family generator, full film school graduate, movie maker, guitar and drum player, book author, dive bar boombox founder, and all around a renaissance man, live from the studio in the great state of Texas and delivering the pop culture significance of the number 97. Please welcome Todd. Hey, I'm really sorry. I'm down here working on the rudder, so this ship will stay pointed in the right direction. <laughs> Hang on. <laughs> okay, now I'm ready. Right. I'm I'm doing all right. I'm 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 trying to figure out why this button isn't working. But you I'm know, just gonna let the. We'll give you some applause. We'll just let it play out. I'm, no big okay. deal. Just keep keep going, kids. So uh, the number ninety-seven. Let's jump right in. I'm going to right away. I, I am so excited. Usually I get excited by some little mathematics thing, but I saw one little note on the number 97 that relates to pop culture. And it made me think of my friend, Jeff. And that is that Madden NFL 97 <laughs> was the first John Madden NFL American football game to be created with using 32 bit gaming technology. It's funny that you mentioned that I, um, I'm going to have to look it up real quick here. Um, 
there is a uh, there's a show on Netflix that has to deal with the history of video games. Um, yeah. Um, sorry, other kind listeners. I wasn't expecting to go that way. Uh, but, uh, it's a great, great show and they talk about that. So thank you for that. Madden was, I remember it clear as day. (laughs) And of course, if you look in the pop culture headlines of late, Madden is also currently in a brouhaha with fans who are on a hashtag war to get that. They have a basically an embargo where they own the rights to the names of the teams, the stadiums, the players, and the fans are sick of them not having any competition and just churning out what they consider to be subpar products. So they're actually trying to get the NFL to go, okay, well, we're going to let other people do it. On, that's a side note. Back yeah. to the number 97. To get people listening to something, a band related to the number 97, the old 97s, fantastic alt-country band. Go out there and discover them if you don't know them. Now on to tragedy in 97. This would have been the year that Princess Diana was killed in a car crash mm. in Paris. Microsoft becomes the world's most valuable company at that time. It valued at two point, I'm sorry, $261 billion. Mother Teresa passed away in 97. Mike Tyson bites Evander Holyfield's ear during a match and is suspended from boxing in 1997. Also the year that a civil jury found OJ Simpson guilty and liable for the deaths of his wife and Ron Goldman. On to some hopefully a little bit more interesting fun facts. This was the year that Steve Jobs returned to Apple computers. Tiger Woods, at 21, year, 21 years old, becomes the youngest golfer ever to win the Masters. When that, I'm sorry, I, I was looking for some kind of follow-up when I was reading that, expecting them to tell me that the, he then crashed his car and was doing bad things, because it always seems like that follows somewhere along the way. Right. The Simpsons becomes the longest-running primetime animated series in 1997. In 1997, it, it did. It's still on, right? Yeah, that was when it hit its landmark as the longest running. Wow. Then you consider it's got 23 years after, 24 years after that. It's, wow. Notorious B.I.G. was shot and killed in a drive-by shooting. The first book in the award-winning Harry Potter series, Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone, is released. Okay. (laughs) Wait, hang on. I have have a, a thing with my pop culture side. I have to ask a question. This is Pop Culture 1997. 15. The first book is released in the U.S. in 1998. Oh, I see. They retitled it. They don't say that. The original title apparently for the U.K. was Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone. And over here, it's Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. I didn't know that. Kids aren't going to read the book if we put the word philosophy in it. We need something with a little bone bite like sorcerer. Yes more bite and then let's go hire chris columbus to direct the first movie and put everybody to sleep that's real audio from the meeting what that was real audio from the meeting there wow uh that's awesome so popular films of that era (laughs) the lost world jurassic park men in black boo my best friend's wedding yay the fifth element the full monty I, and then I'm going to actually go with what right now, what would usually be the one I end with. And that is the best picture winner of that year, Titanic. But the film that really hits me, Batman and Robin. 
which I will say this. If you're looking for something fun to do, that's not a fun movie. But watch that movie and get yourself a version where you can hear Joel Schumacher's, the, the, who is the director. You can hear his audio commentary. And that was, you know, he recently passed away, but he spends the majority of the time just kind of dissecting his, why that film is so bad. And he he apologizes for it. And he he says, look, it, it basically became a toy making machine. And I would go into meetings and say we're doing this. And he wanted to go more in the Bill Finger era of Batman with fun you know, oversized props and silliness. He wanted to do that, but they made him take it so much further. Very interesting. Listen on to music of that era. Mariah Carey is huge. Foo Fighters, Counting Crows, Lenny Kravitz, because my daughter would kill me. If I don't mention this Fleetwood Mac, the Spice Girls, Hanson. And boy, then the rest of that list is just people that I'm not even going <laughs> to. We'll say Celine Dion is huge that year because of Titanic. And that's Ugh. pretty much pop culture relating to the year and number 97 that was so well done i even tried to add some comedy in there and i think i effed up your flow a couple of notes one old 97s for those kind of listeners that are out there maybe running a marketing or a pr firm i will tell you this i never heard or cared about the old 97s until i heard that jennifer anderson was a huge fan then i immediately went out and bought old 97 pants shirts jeans thong i was old 97 out and uh all kidding aside they are they are a talented band uh, but i did not know of them until jennifer anderson uh really? the, yeah mm-hmm. yeah i've never heard that she liked them I, are you a jennifer aniston fan they, yeah yeah sure you, and it was always cold on the set of friends well and it was oh, good lord uh and anybody that thinks that's misogynistic i will say this my wife who's a friends fan will even she's like the first thing oh my god it's cold on the set again it uh that you are simply stating a fact um i think she was single at that time and okay. uh you know a boy can dream so i was like well you know if i like so i started following the old 97s around no i didn't never mind shut up jeff uh the netflix documentary about the history of video games is called high score and if you haven't seen it, um, kind listener, as well as you too, Todd, uh, it's definitely worth a watch. It's not very long, but uh, they, to kind of address what you were talking about with EA, EA did so many amazing things for sports games. Tiger Woods, they had Madden. EA, it's in the game. And then and I could see as video games and technology was, was advancing so fast every year a new version of Madden would come out and there would be a new feature you know a, a statistic or, or better play calling and all this other stuff well then they kind of hit uh, 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 what is that uh, the ceiling I guess you could say where then you're spending you know 60 bucks every year just for the same game and I think that they made a an error and should have just had madden come out and then just every year you'd have an update you know it's 30 bucks and then it would update the rosters and other things like that but they they definitely in my opinion were a video game producing company that got a little too comfortable i think they got a maybe too many too many people uh in there that weren't uh, still hungry and, and visionary for what they should do and, and they're hurting because uh 2k sports who was their main rival uh came out with a golf game this this uh, this year and it's pretty good i miss a good golf game tiger wood golf games were a lot of fun we used to play those all the time and then of course he you know had what he had happen um and the that, golf game have crash your car parts go back <laughs> no 
It's not the life and times of Tiger Woods. You don't flirt with the blonde standing by the side of the green? I'm not interested. If they could make this into Grand Theft Auto Tiger Woods golf, I'd be interested in golf games. Uh, but you know, we'll, we'll see what old EA can work out. Hopefully they'll, um, you know, they'll get something going. Uh, May I chime in something on the Madden discussion? Yeah, absolutely. I, I think that I, I love Madden football. I really do. Uh, I am one of those that I don't even know what they call it now. EA access, I think is the, the game pass for the EA library. And yeah. I pay for that because I don't mind getting, every with that you pay one fee and you get their entire library that they release so with madden oh now i'll get last year's title as my this year so i'm always a year behind but it, it hey it, that's all perspective because it's a new release to me i love football i i will say that i've loved it since a kid as a kid playing those games actually will help you understand the game deeper so if you're watching football and they talk about different you know cover one cover two whatever it may be you actually because of it get a knowledge of it and my wife's always like how do you know these things i'm like madden nerd there you go however I, this is my problem with madden and i think it goes back to kind of what i alluded to with this push against them without any competition you don't have anyone pushing you yeah. to say this is what we need because okay so halo doesn't have a direct you know no one else is making a halo game however there are games like halo where they're doing things better and i think let's use that as a direct uh comparison halo one of the things i think that it did so well for so long was its online matchmaking and things like that was just so much more intuitive and so much easier than so many other games occasionally i'd get in and i'm going to use this and this may not be the correct example Gotta get in with Call of Duty, and I'm like, um, what does it want me to do? Mm -hmm. Well, was is the people who created Halo created a language that said this is what I expect of this. They didn't do enough to come on board with it, push them aside. I think that Madden needs somebody else to be pushing that language, pushing those things that people expect. It's not enough. And I will say this every year with Madden, it becomes Oh, this year they've made running harder. Now I need to get better at passing. Oh, next year, because passing was too easy, they shut it down. It becomes running. Now it becomes all of a sudden linebackers can blitz through everything and just kill everybody. And it's it, it does become repetitive. And were it not for the fact that I pay for this EA license, I wouldn't buy Madden. Right. I wouldn't spend that 70, 80 bucks because every year it is just exactly that. They tweak one thing and that's it. And it just it becomes infuriating after a while. Yeah, it's it, you know it's interesting to see those, especially over the years that you and I have been around. AKA, AKA, we're old. Um, but I, you know, I, I, the funny, the interesting thing you mentioned there was the you know they had the big Xbox X uh, release, and then they showed actual footage of the new Halo game, and it was so disliked. It's now not going to be ready when the Xbox X launches the console launches this year was it really i didn't hear yeah, that. I didn't they they're going back and they're you know they're like whoa because <laughs> so it was just talked about it they, it looks exactly the same as all the other halo games and if it's a next gen um game release and you know supposed to be all these wonderful things then they're like you know we'll show it to us give it to us it's funny you say that because when i remember when i watched the footage i thought oh 
it looks like a better frame rate cleaned up version of the old halo game right right so i think some people are looking for some other things so all i know is recently after that it was uh it was announced that the, that game was going to be delayed and then the next big question was well okay who's going to buy an xbox x with no big huge title release with it um especially when you have the playstation 5 coming out and it's going to have some games now i mean that's a whole rabbit hole we could go down but we'll see uh we'll see how it how it uh, how it turns out one thing that a quick note um um kind of leading into uh well i guess it doesn't really lead in what we're going to next but um uh, microsoft did announce and is working with places like uh gamestop and everything where um they're gonna let you finance your xbox x for thirty dollars a month what's that do that through your game pass membership too yeah yeah so i think that's i think they're being aware that people are strapped right now i mean i I don't know how revealing this is but i've always kind of liked to get the new console when it comes out i've had the means to do so and you know with everything going on right now uh i don't think i can you know just because it's it's extra money and everything but uh i might be able to you know move some numbers around maybe i'll I'll stop eating for six months and and uh lose some weight and be able to play uh the new the new xbox but um interesting there thank you for thank you for that um a good great review of of uh, 1997 we'll move on here real quick i don't want to we get i don't want to bring everybody down but i do want to address real quick as far as you know it was close to, to, to a month since we've had an episode uh i also want to start this out by saying i realize i'm not the only person there's a lot of people that are going through stuff and and i, I just want to be honest with the kind listener and just let them know that uh, probably about two weeks ago i hit kind of my bottom with this whole thing and and the only way i can really sum it up is it's you know kind of this this daily and what's turned into monthly uh challenge of dealing with what you're not used to dealing with right uh we all get into our rhythm of of life if you'll say and 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 with work and and family and everything else and uh you know to be completely honest i just didn't want to do any of this uh i had zero (laughs) zero interest in getting in and doing a in what i was calling my mind a stupid podcast that you know doesn't matter and i don't matter and then you start going down that uh rabbit hole and so you know obviously uh you recognize that you're feeling that way uh i think one day i just allowed myself i said okay you can feel as as crappy as you want to for the next 10 minutes and then we got to do something and um you know not to have the rocky theme playing in the background but that's what i did and uh, todd was there with support family was there with support kind listeners were there with support so i appreciate all those people but it did make me think about you know how many people right now and i'm not trying to politicize this i'm just saying that you know are dealing with stuff even even people that haven't been furloughed like myself people that still have jobs uh i'm hearing many many instances that work has taken on a completely different uh feel because of uh less uh people working and and still the same amount of work to do uh and then of course you hear about you know just people spending <laughs> spending more time uh together um and how you know space and a little alone time is important but uh, i i kind of just wanted to say that i i want all of our kind listeners to be 
you know, still being safe and, and social distancing. And they keep saying this is going to get worse and, and we'll see how that goes. But uh, I, I definitely wanted to be honest. And that's the reason why we've been off air for a while is uh, I was uh, was going through a little tough time there trying to trying to figure some stuff out. And the good news is I've come up with a plan. And uh, part of the plan is exactly what you're hearing right now. Uh, with some other things that I'm cooking that I, I don't want to uh, get in at this point, but um, just kind of wanted to cover that. And Todd, I know you have some thoughts, so take it away. Well, it, being somebody there with you, at least on the me on the sidelines watching you, look, if other people are out there going through this, I, I saw my friend, you know, take it on the chin and stand up and face it. And and I'm I'm proud of of you for fighting through it. Uh, I think that it's easy to give in and I'll give the flip side. I told my wife the other night, I am still very gainfully employed. Things are good for me, but the other perspective is for for roughly the past six months, my, my life has been in this house, sitting in a room, no perspective. You know, she's, she's going into the office. She works for a doctor's office. Obviously they need to be open during a pandemic to help people. Um, she gets out. She's, Hey, it's the weekend. Can we, can we at least go for walks? I'm like, it's the weekend. <laughs> right. <laughs> I'm experiencing that life where it's like, I don't know what day it is. Uh, I, I tried to build little parts of the world. So on the weekend I work in the yard, but then I end up working in the yard on the weekdays too, because I need to be outside. And so every day blends into each other. And yeah. I think that the biggest truth of this, no matter what is, and, th- and this is where I, I want to get to with you that I was proud that you, you, you spoke about it, you reached out and that's what we all need to do. Right. If you're feeling alone, if you're feeling stressed, don't take it on yourself. There is nothing noble about I'm weathering the storm by myself. Why? If you've got a support system around you, talk to them. If you don't have a support system around you, look for numbers online and call people and just say, I'm feeling stressed. I'm feeling depressed, whatever it may be. This is a tight, a, a tight, difficult time right now that we're in don't feel like you have to shoulder it alone period very well said and i echo your thoughts most definitely it's just you know it's a weird thing and and you go through all these different emotions and 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 uh i guess just periods or 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 just you know you're like you know when it first happens it's like everything will be back you'll be fine you know and then and then you hit month six and you're just like Wait, wait a minute. <laughs> What's going on? Is this really, is this really, you know, going to be it? And one of the super, we talked about my superhero skills, uh, the minimalist being able to um, minimize any kind of movie or anything in a sentence. One of my other superpowers is I can talk myself into a v- gravitational vortex that pulls me down faster than anything, you know, cause I can really quickly connect those dots and be like, and this means this, and then that's not going to happen. So that means you're going to, you know, and so I think a lot of us do that. Um, and, uh, I think what you said is, is perfect. So thank you kind listener for your support and, and thank you, Todd, for your support and everybody else that was there. And yes, um, not to just have the last word and repeat what Todd said, but seriously, if you do need help, you need anything, reach out to your family, friends, or call a number, um, and, uh, talk to somebody. I actually, uh, first saw a little bit of daylight. I called some of my old coworkers 
and just chatted with them for 15 or 20 minutes. And that was really, that was really good too. Cause I also have the superpower to believe that this is only happening to me. Um, and, and to, and to talk to some other people, uh, was helpful as well. So stay safe, stay positive. This will end at some point. And, um, the other kind radio will be here with you through all of it. This ends the PSA. <laughs> all right. Uh, to some of those, uh, we're, we're calling this now recently departed. I was going to call it the departed, but then I didn't want to get in trouble with copyright. But uh, we do have some notable deaths to review. Um, I'll start out with the first one. I know Todd has the link, uh, maybe has a link I, I put up so he can speak to some of these better than I. But I, the first one is um, uh, I was not aware of this person. Pop called me and told me that this happened, and I've listened to some of their music. Uh, but uh, Toots Hibbert who was a five-time Grammy nominee, um, who was a huge reggae star, and, um, you know, I guess beloved in, in his music, and I know I, I sound horrible just trying to surmise his, his uh, summarize his career, but uh, he passed away uh, on September 11th, and uh, for those of you who are a big fan of, of reggae and, and, and know better than I the role that this, this gentleman played in it, uh, uh, you know, Godspeed to him. And, and uh, you know, I feel, I, I, I don't know, I really don't have anything to say I'm like the worst person to, 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 to announce this. But do you know anything about uh, Toots? Were you aware? Yeah, aware, know him, have many musician friends very tied to him influenced by him not somebody that stepped into my musician's world right that so anytime i see somebody like that if if you can make that impression upon people that i like and respect then obviously i'm like hey uh, you you get a tip of the hat for me but i it yeah. was definitely a notable de- death in the musician's world i just hope that when i pass i get the same treatment um that I just, or, or, or just have the same thing happen with my death as I just absolutely fumbled that, <laughs> that notification with a uh, uh, died recently, uh, Jeff from the other kind of radio. I don't really don't know a lot about him. I, I did he do anything? <laughs> wow. And then I'll throw it to the, they'll throw it to the co-host. Uh, you Bob, like, no, I don't, I don't know who that cat is. <laughs> For anybody ever, if this is your first time, my job really is to be here to catch those moments. When right. Goes, oh, this person really important talking to us about him. Oh, crap. Yes. <laughs> the panic button. All right. You want to go on and talk about the next one since I said did such a great job with that one? Sure. Let me let me t- uh, step into the world of Diana Rigg. And I'm going to begin with that one of the people who has influenced my career the most, uh, a man who really kind of pointed my rudder in the right direction when I started off my career, posted recently that his first crush had passed away. And he said, I don't know why. I didn't know why I was infatuated with her at that young age, but I was. And that is Diana Rigg, actress from England, who first became uh known to the public on the the television show from britain the avengers playing emma peel to most of you especially in the current pop culture zeitgeist you might know her as elena tyrell from game of thrones uh her performance on that alone i i remember watching it that second time when i watched it with my kid and just saying this is an actor who understands it isn't just me in this scene. I have to have lived a world. And every time Elena Tyrell was on there, you knew 
that that actress had it going on in her brain the entirety of her life. It wasn't just the moment she was bringing so much. A fantastic actress won the Tony Award. She's been on stage. She made films. She made television. She passed away uh, on September 10th. And of course, they don't tell me I'm too stupid to figure up the age that's 60. She was 83. 82, 83. So a good long life made a huge impression. I mean, you can go look on IMDb and you will see, good Lord, that is a filmography. I'm not even going to touch that because you did such a great job. Um, (laughs) (laughs) uh, I also uh, feel it necessary to to just mention that Ronald, uh, Ronald Bell who was one of the producers for Cool and the Gang, which was one of my my favorite groups, uh, has also um, passed on, left us on September 9th. Um, and then probably the 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 big one, and, and I know all these are big, so I'm not trying to rate them, but uh, one of the more surprising yes. ones. Go ahead. Yes, we are trying to rate them, Jeff. I'm, <laughs> I, I, I hate to say it. When you die, the other kind of radio will rate your Right, report. exactly. And everybody should know I rate myself last <laughs> to anybody that we rate. Um, was sad to see, did not know a whole lot of it. I, I don't know if you if you knew that he was battling this, but Chadwick Boseman, obviously such a huge, huge uh, presence uh, on film and then just on social media and just a really, really, what I hear, fantastic person uh, to work with and, and in his personal life. Uh, passed away on uh, August 28th. I was I was pretty shocked uh, uh, to see that. Um, obviously, everybody knows him from Black Panther, but uh, you know was battling colon cancer and and kept it pretty personal, which is completely understandable. Um, was sad to see him pass. I think that was a shock to everyone, and I, I I hate to go on a commentary rant, but the thing that struck me the most was after his passing it began creeping out that the online social world had been all but attacking him for about the past nine months to a year about his dwindling weight saying that (gasps) you have an eating disorder what was he doing you look pathetic the poor man was dying wow and i i there's gonna have to come a social media revolution this has to stop no one, you know, we don't need you, not you. We don't need those people sitting from the couch and giving their ugly little opinions. That That's enough. I'm, I'm sick of it. I am to the point of stepping away from social media outside of, you know, the, the podcast that I'm a part of and the bands I'm part of. I don't care anymore. I don't want to hear your opinions if, if your opinions are only ugly. This man led a noble life. Like Jeff said, he did not come forward. With his illness, he he battled it on his own with his family, and he can, you know, Chris Evans, who was Captain America, said that's the, the the truth of a hero. We knew of his fight, and he kept making these movies to entertain you, to make you inspired, and the best many of you could do was to shame him, and that's that's shameful upon you. The only thing I'll add on to that, and and I congratulate you on the social media. I know I've uh, taken myself off of uh, FB and some other stuff just because it's it's gotten a little a little crazy. But I'm a big believer in the pendulum, and I think the pendulum for many many years before the internet and everything else was in one particular place, and you had to you you really had to work, and there were some things that had to fall in line for you to have that 
public microphone to to say what you want to say. I mean, we do that here on the podcast. And I think it's just gotten to a point where the momentum has swayed it another way. And I'm not talking about political affiliation or anything else, but I think that will start to curb a bit as you know, it will it, right now. I know it's a hot, you know, everybody's opinions, kind of the hot opinion, but I'm hoping that we evolve and, and social media evolves. And then it's not quite so easy to, to, to tear someone down. I mean, good Lord, you know, it's amazing to me. I didn't know that he was he was kind of getting cyber bullied about his weight and this other stuff. And you know, I just think you know. And again, here we are having a podcast where we talk about pop culture. But it's kind of like if if you feel the need to go online and and write something about somebody that that isn't positive, then maybe you need to spend a little time by yourself. Right now is the time to do it. Spend a little time in a room by yourself and 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 check some boxes before you feel like you need to voice your opinion about something that frankly doesn't really have anything to do with you, you know? I you bring up the term pop culture and I I obviously adore most things pop culture. But to be cultured usually means that you've experienced enough to have an understanding beyond simplicity and if the best you can do i see i i don't want to get into this rabbit hole i don't want to condemn these people right. please don't be ignorant is what i'm asking right you. please understand that other people have a plight in life that maybe you don't immediately understand but give them the latitude yeah I, 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 let this be the moment i and i hope if one of those people has a moment of oh crap what did i just do then great we've had a success right but Social media is going to have to evolve. And we see that with all kinds of, you know, just like we were talking about with video games, it Mm -hmm. goes through cycles and things like that. Social media is going to have to evolve beyond the bitterness that is carrying it right now. Right. Grandma used to say, think before you speak. I guess you could translate that to think before you tweet. Um, (laughs) You know, you are my preacher. Yes. (laughs) We need to we need to get some T-shirts made. The other kind radio T-shirt would think before you tweet. Anyway, we're we're uh, again, and I apologize for the um, for the horrible uh, you know announcement. Then kind of trying to summarize uh, um, toots there, but uh, I know the kind listener knows it was done with love. We're gonna move on from from those who we have lost to we're gonna do a quick pop culture catch up because, like I said, it's been thirty days since we've been on here, and there is a lot of stuff out there. Um, we're not going to give full reviews of this stuff, but just kind of raise, you know, your antenna, your pop culture antenna on some things you may want to check out, right? Because we're all looking for stuff to watch right now because uh, we've all burned through, you know, all our use. And um, so I'm going to start it off. Todd is going to watch a little bit of this. Uh, I'm a little torn, but one of the biggest things that's on Netflix right now is Cobra Kai, For those of you who aren't aware of what Cobra Kai is, it is basically the 25, 30 years later of Karate Kid, mainly between uh, Johnny and, and, uh, and what is his name, Danny? Danielson. Danielson, yeah. Uh, And we catch up with Johnny, who was the blonde-headed kid that that Danny ended up beating in the tournament, and um, where they're at now, and... Danny's kind of having some, or excuse me, Donnie's having some some tough times. Danny's doing well. Um, there's two seasons available. Episodes, I think, are around 30 minutes. Uh, there are many things I like about it. 
I definitely think it's worth checking out, but I can't wait for Todd to see it so we can kind of pick uh, some some highlights to talk about. Cobra Kai on Netflix. Todd, do you have any thoughts? I know you haven't watched any of it. Uh, the only thought that I want to throw in is that last night, um, while my wife and I were watching the Dallas Stars, who advanced to the Stanley Cup. Hey, yes. congratulations, Stars. While we're watching that, a commercial with, uh, it, it isn't for Cobra Kai, but it was with that guy who was the in the original film, who was the mean leader of Cobra Kai. You know, the old the, dude. Reese, yeah. I think is his name. So he has a commercial and he comes on and says something about Cobra Kai. And Shelly said, what is this Cobra Kai? Am I supposed to know what Cobra Kai is? Oh, my God, what is this? And I said, Karate Kid. And she went, oh. <laughs> so that's my only take on it. I'm going to watch it, obviously. I, I, I told her she'd never seen the film. I said, the first one was really sweet. Then it became Rocky, where it was the implausibility of every time we have to have a training sequence. It was just Rocky for kids. Right. And but I'm, I'm intrigued. It's... Yeah, I can't wait to talk to you about it because, again, there are things I really like about it. I think they do some really good things, but then there's some stuff that really makes me scratch my head. So, uh, once again, Cobra Kai, Netflix, check it out. Next up, brought to us by HBO Max. You and I have both seen uh, at least some of the episodes. Um, Ridley Scott, uh, the man that uh, put Alien on film. Uh, and there's a true visionary in, 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 in my opinion, as far as science fiction, which I love me some science fiction raised by wolves. Um, Todd, since I'm having such a terrible time today, kind of <laughs> summarizing stuff, uh, tell us about it and, and, uh, w what your initial impressions are. So I don't have the tail of the tape in front of me with IMDb, but imagine this, if you could get a sci-fi series that twists reality pretty significantly yet was so coherent that i can tell you this atheists have battled very religious people the atheists have robots that can decimate the world and the religious people have really bad costumes with suns on them <laughs> it's really intriguing those those uh androids get away to another world to, and their their hope is to raise humans and things don't always go the way they plan but they have ultimate power i Anytime Ridley Scott comes up, I I think, okay, it's going to look amazing. It's going to have moments of complete tension, but I'm always afraid that his characters will come off cold because even with Thumb and Louise, which is, you know, a very reality-based movie from him, I end up feeling like he goes for flashover substance. Even with that, I still am not a huge fan of that film. I, I know it's important. I was shocked with this series that I ended up caring that yeah. I was like, even for the androids, you know, that are cold, non-feeling. And that's often the truth in science fiction is the cold, non-feeling person we feel more for because we, we realize how disassociated they are with reality. And we feel that way. I think they've done a pretty good job. I, I, I do question those really bad costumes for the uh, religious people. I still look at that and think, wow, um, that just looks bad. But it's a very intriguing, interesting show. They remind me of the uh, night costumes in uh, what was the Monty Python? Yes, the Holy Grail. The Holy Grail. With yes. This is on them. Uh, I, you know, there, there are a couple things that I really like about it. Um, obviously, it's got Ridley, Sc Ridley Scott's uh, fingerprints all over it, uh, a.k.a. Uh, all androids' blood has to be milk yes. or <laughs> white substance. I'm getting a little tired of that. Um, and I'm a, little, I'm a little more caught up on the series than you are, but 
this these past two episodes really kind of kicked things into gear as far as finding out a little bit more about what's going on what the power structure is what the character development is uh it, it it's a great uh show and 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 i could go on and on but to raise by wolves hbo max check it out if you like science fiction i think this is a good shoe that'll fit you i i think it's well worth the time it's i am surprised by it and i'm actually as soon as we get done gonna go blaze through a lot of work so at lunch i can watch the last episode to get caught up um okay so the next one uh, again i don't think todd's seen but i've watched a couple episodes it's on hbo max as well it's called the vow and, and i've got the imdb page up so i'll read you the summation a look at the experiences of the members of the NXIVM, an organization and sex cult that made headlines for being charged with sex trafficking and racketeering conspiracy. Um, if if that kind of exposure in a documentary-ish show is kind of up your alley as far as, you know, um, what this was all about, I recommend it. It's very interesting. One of the things that they say in kind of a little preview for it is people don't join a cult they join an organization to become happy and it talks about that how they've got all these people that have um you know looking for and it, it you know if somebody comes up to say hey would you like to have a happier life would you like to be around people that will support you and and take care of you and and you know have things in common with you i would guess that most people would this takes an in-depth look in, in an interesting way how Things can go so right for so long, but it's mainly because of your uh, of their uh, ability to only see what they want to see. And uh, you'd be surprised at the number of um, stars. There was a couple people from Battlestar Galactica, the show, that were a part of this. Uh, in the new Star Wars movies, uh, there was a young girl that I, I don't want to say she's the daughter of anybody famous but she's also in it and marries one of these people so it's if you're not in the mood for some science fiction or lovecraft or cobra kai kung fu karate then then check out the vow it's not necessarily inspiring but it's it it, it, it is attention getting when you put that on the list i thought what is the vow and then i popped over to imdb and i still thought what's the vow <laughs> told me what it was i went oh i remember seeing the little advertisements and i do want to see that I, I that's one thing for me that i tend to do when i watch a ton of movies and i'll have friends you've got to watch this show mm-hmm. well no right now i'm on movies and right now i'm on this and and i like things like this that i don't want to say cleanse the palate because usually something that's a cult yeah. is not going to cleanse your palate too right. much but it's, it's it's a different mode of thinking for yourself so i i look forward to watching that so that's The Vow on HBO Max. Moving along, another one uh, I forgot. I, I think I got some Apple product and have Apple TV until November. Uh, one of the things I've been going uh, and doing recently is is clearing out old subscriptions and trying to save a little money. So I was surprised to see that it was already taken care of with this product that I bought. I don't know what it was. But I got Apple TV until November. So I'm like, well, let's get busy. And one of the shows that's caught my attention that I didn't think would be very good is Ted Lasso. Now, for those of you who may not remember, there was a little skit that came out, uh, and I need to get his his name in front of me. Um, Sudeikis. What's that? Say it again. Jason Sudeikis. Yeah, Jason Sudeikis. And the skit was an American football coach 
gets gets a job working in the Premier League in soccer or football over in the UK. And there's a the whole skit was him in a press conference saying, "We're going to do everything we we're going to do to." He's I think Southern gentleman. We're going to do everything we can do to to take it to him every, every you know every quarter of the game. And they correct him it was like only halves. And he's like, "Oh, halves." And then. Somebody says something and he's like, we're, you know, Hey, we're going to do, we're going to do one of two things. We're either going to win or we're going to lose. Hopefully we win more. And somebody cracks me. So, or you can tie. He's like, what? You can tie. So it's basically a fish out of water. Um, half hour episodes, not bad, actually pretty good. So I was thinking, how are you going to, this is, Oh man, they're just trying to make a skit or a show out of a skit. Pretty good. Pretty funny. Laugh out loud. Funny. Um, and I'm enjoying it. So if 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 you're like me, uh, and don't know that you have Apple TV, um, check it out. Uh, Ted Lasso, and it's you know it's uh, a lighter side. It's a funny thing. I don't have Apple TV. I'm not sure that I like Jason Sudeikis. He gives me a little bit of tired head, but I do think he can be funny. So I'm gonna have to live vicariously through you and let you tell me all about it. Uh, yeah, I'll keep you. I'll keep you up to date. I'm sure here in the future, Netflix will absorb it. Uh, now we'll move more into Todd's, and I don't have written down here what the, uh, um, where how you can get. Oh, I think it's Prime. But we're gonna. Uh, Todd says he's been revisiting Handmaid's Tale and has a little bit of an update for us on that show. It's actually Hulu. Oh, has. Hulu. All right. Okay. Um, my. 17-year-old, very soon-to-be 18-year-old daughter uh, came to be looking for a new show, and I said, look, I, I know where your mind is, and I think that you'd really like Handmaid's Tale. I think it's very good. So the first season is outstanding. Second and third season, meh. They're good, but not great. Well, I have to come back and say that I was wrong about the good, not great. The show is very consistent overall when you watch it straight through. I think so many times in the streaming world, we get this idea that when we have and that's probably true of even when it was the cyclical nature of just broadcast TV that the second season didn't have the intensity of the first. Well, I think the reason the first had intensity is we weren't expecting that and we weren't allowing the story to evolve. As you watch this straight through, I'm not saying there aren't problems. There aren't things they should fix. It's pretty consistently great. So if you've not watched it, go back and watch this. The one thing I will tell you is if you're looking for a drinking game, here's your drinking game. <laughs> okay. The lead actress, Elizabeth Moss. Yes. Anytime she cries, you must take a shot. Or anytime she holds back crying with a little wobble of her head, you must drink a shot. And you will be obliterated by the time the show is over. Because I, I was like, okay, that's the third time she's cried this episode. Oh, there's that head bob again. So... It, there is a little bit of funniness about it, but it's a very serious, very good show. The performances are outstanding. And especially in this day and age, it has some important things to say. Drinking game, Handmaid's Tale. Maybe that's, uh, I'll go back and revisit and maybe play a little bit of that as well. I love that. That's great. Um, all right, moving on to uh, uh, recently had their season, I think it's second season come out, Umbrella Academy. Uh, it's on Netflix, and I'm going to try and s summarize. But basically, um, Umbrella Company Academy is the premise that on a certain day, there were a certain, I think it was eight or something like that, kids, or was it a lot more than that? But anyway, there's babies born at the same time. One of them conceived within or came to term within minutes. 
Uh, and this man goes around and adopts all of those kids and they all turn out to have some unique skills. Uh, it's got the lovely actress that uh, did such great work in the Last of Us uh, video game. I'm, I'm sure you know what her name is. Ellen Page. Uh, who does a great job. And it's kind of the story of, of that family and then kind of solving the mystery of what's going on. Was it was it more kids than that? I think I think there are more kids born and he but there are only a, not all of them necessarily have powers and he goes and gets certain ones of them uh, or there are certain that don't uh, don't accept the offer for him to take them something to that extent imagine X-Men with a quirky sensibility uh, it's I, I watched both seasons and I found it to be really interesting I think the the characters are fun uh, I think there's enough there that I'm interested to see where this keeps going. Yeah, I'm reminded now as I'm looking at some of the pictures online. It, it, it's it's fun. Uh, I, I remember. I remember. Go ahead. There's something that bothers you. You even said that to me. What do you recall? What it was? Were you? Because you even said to me in the second season. Oh, really? They go there. There was something you said to me when I was mm. watching. Uh oh. That they go back in time. I know you're not a big fan. Of time oh, travel. yeah. I mean, yes. The second season is the majority of it deals with time travel. And hey, I, I you know I don't mind a good story, but it kind of I liken it to what happened in Lost. I remember the first season of Lost. Man, it was so good. You know, saw strangers on a strange island with a smoke monster. Who's going to die? Who's going to live? Where's the dog? I remember the dog being a big part of it. And then I also remember the whispers. That was huge. And you're like, yeah, what's going on? And then all of a sudden, time travel. And then they're back and forth and blah, 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 blah. So that soured it. So to me, I when they start, you know, introducing time travel, Unless it's done a particular way, which <laughs> I can't tell what the right way is because I'm an idiot, um, then it seems to really, to me, bring down the intelligence integrity of, of the show. So what you're saying is is that anyone creating a show should know, don't you dare touch time travel, interesting characters, a dog, a smoke monster, a polar bear. If you have any of the above stated in your show, Jeff will automatically turn you off because... <laughs> At that point, you were nothing but a continuation of Lost. Well, I, I think so in some ways, but I think the the time travel came in when there was a writer's strike too. I think there was something going on. I think they always wanted that time travel. Yeah. I, I look, I don't fall. We're getting down the rabbit hole of Lost, but I do not disagree with you that Lost eventually becomes so that even though it's really good, performances are good, it's written well. You're kind of like, okay, where's this going? I think that Lost is probably one of the most important TV shows in the modern era because it helps to create this serialized idea that you have to watch every episode to get it. Mm -hmm. I don't think that we ever have things like Handmaid's Tale, Game of Thrones without Lost breaching that that gap. I think the problem that occurs with it is that they're also the first ones really to go to the studio system and say, listen, we feel like we ought to end after five years and we've, we need to have a game plan. No, you need to extend that to eight and we're going right. to split it apart. And I, I think that because then you go look at uh, Lindelof's work on um, The Leftovers. Three seasons, perfect little show. Has its thing, says what it wants to, goes away. What he did with Watchmen, one season. Yeah. So I know that's I, I got off in the weeds compared to Umbrella Academy. I, 
I, yes, a lot of things will go into time travel. The time travel, I think, is pretty well done. I think it all makes sense. Um, I think where they go, I, I like it because I was born in the era where they're going, a few years after where they're going to, I live in the exact area where they go to. So I, I find it pretty interesting. Yeah, don't let uh, don't let uh, my inability to understand and comprehend complex themes keep you away from this. Because here's the other thing, just like Lost, and just like Umbrella Academy, I watched all the episodes, and I'm still have a positive feeling about it. I I think uh, I think sometimes with you, and and I, I'm glad we discuss it. I, I think I'm just a little <laughs> too honest with what what I'm immediately feeling, um, but. You know, again, I if it really was that bad, I would have turned it off, and I didn't. I watched all of them and was excited to see where it, you know where the characters were going and what the storyline was going to do. Uh, your analogy of X Men, you know, uh, kind of a different version of X Men is great because each of those superpowers and different things they have is great. Uh, not to to spoil anything, but the the ghost character with the hippie character, they have some very funny um, interactions, which I really like, and I also like the. The, the the guy that's nerdy and smart uh but stuck in his small in his young body uh i think he's he's a great character as well so again uh thinking about it and, and you know re- thinking about it and remembering some of those those elements has uh definitely raised my opinion of it i want everyone out there listening to know Anytime I do that to Jeff, or I'm like, okay, you're doing this. It's not that I, I love Jeff, and I'm 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 teasing him, but I'm also trying to push him yep. to say, go oh, try it, keep going. Yeah. And over the years, you know, if you ever really want to hear where Jeff and I beat each other up, if we were out drinking together, that is when we right. Yeah. So trust me, that was being nice. Speaking of, of uh, beating each other up, uh, the last one I've got on here uh, that you brought up is The Boys, which is the uh, available on Amazon Prime. Uh, this in, in sticking with kind of the superpower, a superpower, superhero theme is kind of the same thing. Superheroes exist. Uh, they're part of a big corporation. It's made up in the show, but it's like if Amazon own these superheroes there's pr involved it's not just saving bad guys and then they throw in a mix like what if the most iconic hero and his name is um who is uh homelander homelander uh just happens to be kind of a jerk uh season two is out now season one was really good and i'm just not feeling it this 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 second season they did um did i think they did a two episode they're not all out right they're doing a weekly uh release now yeah they did three episodes and i think the fourth came out and i've not had a chance to watch it yet yeah uh but i know you have a um different opinion so let's let's hear it i think that the one you did a great job summarizing the entire show and i think that the one thing that they're pushing this year is the, the corporation that owns the superheroes what is power is power the ability to obliterate all these things or the power that you don't understand that I own you and you can do all these things. And I think that struggle is beginning to show itself. They've got Giancarlo Espinito, who is just a fabulous actor, um, played Gus Fring on uh, Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul, as well as recently in The Mandalorian. I find the idea of, and this is not, when I say realistic, I don't mean realistic. This is still a superhero thing, but a realistic take on superheroes. I find that very interesting. The idea that they exist, 
but what would we do if they really existed? We would make them in com- into commodities to where they had to do press junkets. And basically they are, imagine this, if Chris Evans is truly Captain America, he is Chris Evans always having to play Captain America. He is always in that character. And I think that's a pretty interesting uh comment on what we are doing right now where we need superheroes and we've always needed superheroes whether that be greek mythology etc but this idea that the truth is we would make money off of it that money would be a controlling factor i think they're being pretty consistent i think the characters are there i think it's still very funny um i love carl urban i think anytime that man drops the c-bomb i giggle and I have to also make sure the door is closed so my wife doesn't hear it. <laughs> but I love the show. I, I really do love it. And and again, it may all of a sudden betray me and I may go against it, but I like what I'm seeing. Right, because you touch on something there. I think the really important thing is that people that are watching, if you're still enjoying it, that's fantastic. I'm just one one set of eyes that, um, you know, many that are watching it. Um, I think, to me, I think my letdown was, you know, they did such a great job with the first season. It was so new, and it was a different take. And then, to me, I just feel like season two is is the same as, as season one. Um, kind of the same same tricks, if you will, when it comes to what they have in the show. I can, I can see why you say that. And, you know, one, I think one of your great superpowers... <laughs> You're always looking for give me new information. And that's very important when you're telling stories, when you're doing things. You got to keep me going. You can say the same thing again, but it better have a new meaning. So my my interest keeps going. Right. And with that, I know we need to get off to our final thing in the show, but I want to just if you were in charge of the boys, where would you have wanted it to go? Do you have an idea of what you were hoping would happen next? Well, first I wouldn't have killed off uh the gal that played in um well thanks for ruining season one for everyone yeah (laughs) well (laughs) karate kid um but she does make an appearance in in this uh in this next uh this next episode or this next season Uh, i'm trying to think of her name Uh, yeah um you know i guess to me the first season was so new and as an audience we're we're just getting acclimated to the fact that this is what's happening and these heroes exist and there's turmoil between you know within the organization and the heroes as well as the people that are kind of anti-heroes who are realizing the heroes really aren't doing hero stuff 24 7 and so they feel an obligation to you know counter that i think they jumped and went to a level of evil and storyline that maybe could have come in third season i was kind of still wanting to you can introduce some new heroes and stuff like that but i just feel like you know and and maybe because they have signed for three seasons or something but i just felt like we hit this this really quick high stress the world's gonna end kind of storyline where i was still kind of warming up and um you know would have played with it you know again it's it also pulls the rug out from under his feet a little bit where it's it's funny and then it's horrifically disgusting and or uh, a little scary so um and i you know i'll hey we're only three or four uh, episodes in so they, they may have that in plan um but that's just my gut reaction as as far as it that's fair <clears throat> enough i mean i i'm always curious when 
and it's not just you, but when I hear friends say, wow, this went to this place and I wasn't expecting it, sometimes I think stories need to do that. I think it needs to go against what our expectation is. It needs to go somewhere that makes us uncomfortable or unfulfilled so that it can say something else. I still like what they're saying. Right. Um, two takes of the same thing. Right, exactly. I don't want to ruin anything else for anybody, but, you know, Fonzie jumped the shark. I think what they didn't jump but possibly went through uh, this season was a little bit of a question in my head as far as that scene with the boat. But I would always challenge people this and and, and that the fungi take two Fonzie <laughs> jumping the shark. I think is you absolutely you can look at so many shows that do that. Don't be looking for that. There you go. Do not look for the jumping the shark because you'll find it every time. And at that point, then you begin to doubt everything that happens afterwards. Very good point. All right. So that was the the real quick <laughs> pop culture catch up of shows that are out there. We hope uh, you're watching some of them. We hope uh, you've heard us talk about it and go out and watch them. There's some good content out there. All right. So one of the things Todd and I talked about, and uh, we'll get through this as quickly as possible, is we want to, since there is kind of a downswing in new content, we are going to... Uh, start revisiting some classics and I was really excited when he suggested um, the following movie <clears throat> came out in 1974 he's Todd's gonna have all the cool facts about it but basically Francis Ford Coppola uh, got together with a great cast and made a movie called the conversation I'll read the IMDB uh, summary here a paranoid secretive surveillance expert has a crisis of conscience when he suspects that a couple he's spying on will be murdered uh great i mean i mean i want to get into uh too many of the technical things first but i'm so glad you brought this movie up uh to people that are out there that are looking for something boy todd really knew what kind of stuff i like when it comes to a film and um this hit a lot of those notes with a conversation a movie from so long ago that not only has elements that are still active today but francis ford coppola did some things technically with the film that just blow my mind so famously coppola when he directs um the godfather he did not want to do it he thought it was a horrible novel um but he had been making films out of film school that were also unfulfilling and unsuccessful but there was enough there that the studio said, we want you to take the Godfather. So he ends up finally breaking it down, making the masterpiece that it is, but immediately he wants to go back and make his films. Well, the studio also wants him to make the Godfather part two. I bring that up because this film is made in the same year and released in the same year as Godfather two, a feat that's very similar to Spielberg making Jurassic park and Schindler's list in the same year. Well, these films actually, the conversation in Godfather 2 actually gets nominated, get nominated for the same Best Picture Award, of which he wins for The Godfather Part 2, making it the only sequel to ever win to a first film that also won. But aside from that, what he wanted to do with this was to touch upon a bit of the 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 revitalization of filmmaking that came about while he was in film school and that would be the italian presence the french renaissance all these kind of things that um, the french new wave excuse me the french new wave that came out and really affected so many filmmakers and what he cites exactly is michelangelo michelangelo oh michael angelo antonioni's blow up which is a fascinating film about a man who passively gets information 
and puts it together without being active in what happens, which if you look at this, as it says here, his key concept, God, I cannot speak conceptualization of the film's themes, such as surveillance versus participation. So Harry call our main character, as Jeff said, in that uh, recap of the film, he is recording a couple and he begins to think that they're going to be murdered. But instead of immediately going about it, he becomes paranoid. Instead of just going out there and saying, you're going to be murdered, he begins trying to figure it out himself. Blow Up is a great film from 1966. would go on to influence also Brian De Palma's amazing blowout with John Travolta. If you've never seen that, that's that's a great, great movie. But what's masterful about this, and you see with Coppola, the construction of the very first of the film. So often a film is made in the first 10 minutes. And this opens with a masterful moment that Harry Call is recording this couple. <clears throat> and we begin to see how he's doing it. And, and you can laugh and say, wow, that technology is out of date. Obviously, this is from the 70s, so don't judge that. But right away, in that 10 minutes, you know everything you need to know about this entire movie. That's it. And then it begins to be this this beautiful flower that just continues opening up and, and we get more information. We see wonderful characters. I was so thrilled when Jeff finally came back and said that he liked this film because I, I do sometimes wonder, I'm going to give Jeff this and I tell him, hey, this is a slow burn. But when it burns, it burns. Yeah, I, I appreciate you kind of foreshadowing the slow burn, but to me, um, and this is just my own you know, ignorance when it comes to film, I wouldn't say it was slow. I'd say it's quiet. There's always something that's happening on screen. It just isn't necessarily a, you know, an explosion or anything. I have some notes that I took during the film and I'm going to start doing this when I, when I receive some homework. Um, First, I wanted to say, and I'm sorry if this sounds like I'm uh, tooting my own horn, but when the opening scene um, which is a lot of kind of overshot overhead shots and stuff of an area. I was very pleased to uh, recognize that that is Union Square in San Francisco, a city that I do a lot of work in and have been to many times and walked in Union Square. And I'm like, oh my God, yeah, that's Union Square. Um, from a technical uh, aspect, as far as the microphones and stuff that they're using, uh, the technology hasn't changed that mu- that much. There are some laser mics that can do some things now, but really, you're you're catching sound waves, you know, through the air. So, to all of that was very relevant and very cool uh, in the opening scene. Uh, probably the biggest thing, and, and and it's got some great appearances by Terry Gar. Harrison Ford, a young, very handsome Harrison Ford, is also on the screen in this. And Gene Hackman, I have a note here. How tall is Gene Hackman compared to Harrison Ford? Did I look that up and have an answer? No, I don't. But that (laughs) that can be something. All right, I'll look it up. Um, One of the things that caught my attention immediately was um, you hear people saying, uh, I guess this is a nursery rhyme or something. People say, wake up, wake up, you sleepyhead, get up, get up, get out of bed. So I don't know if it's creepy or awesome, but my parents used to say that to me all the time when I was a kid. I don't know if they watched this movie and and, and <laughs> that's where they got it. So that was kind of weird to hear that. Um, let's see, what else? Oh, the other thing I like that uh, Coppola did in this movie was he's technically he's very, very, very uh, clean. 
And I mean that, and what I mean by that is there's a scene where Gene Hackman is done for the day of his day of, of listening to the audio. And rather than leave the equipment settings where where he had to tune and, and get him to a certain you know location so he could hear what the conversation was filtering and whatnot, at the end of the day, he resets all of his controls there. And, and Coppola takes the very few seconds it, it, it needs to, to convey this, but what it does is it is a great way to introduce Gene Hackman quickly becoming, um, you know, a little uh, uh, paranoid about what's going on. Why else would he reset it? You know, there's only one other cat working with him, but I thought it was, it really caught my eye and thought it was great. Uh, there's also a scene where they're on a uh, convention trade show floor and um, that's the industry that I'm in and it's you know not up and running right now so it made me miss that I also giggled because they all go to the convention and then they're all wearing their badges around the city which is something we always giggle about uh, you know Jeff's tips for convention attendees if you're in a city you've never been in before don't wear your badge outside of the convention center because that shows everybody hey I'm not from here uh, go ahead. I said ding. Ding, right? Um, and then I've got a few other here, but I, I want to give you a, a chance to speak. But I also felt a lot of this movie, um, actually, let me rephrase that. I feel like this movie lent a lot of feeling to the movie Sneakers, which had Robert Redford in it. Not Yeah, Robert Redford, uh, Joaquin, not, well, yeah, Joaquin Phoenix uh, is in that. Are you familiar with the movie Sneakers? Yeah, and I know I saw that years ago and i've never seen it since but it's you said that to me when we were talking about this after the fact i was yeah. like oh i can see that yeah yeah it's you know an open warehouse loft and there's surveillance and kind of spy stuff going on uh i wrote that um that gene hackman's character needs to work on his foreplay his 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 <laughs> his his lady his 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 game he's spitting uh is is horribly horribly done uh in it uh let's see uh other movies that borrowed from destroying everything to look forward to what not can be found great uh i have no idea what that note met note means but hey it sounded cool so i going back to what you said about when he zeroes everything out i think that there is a a, a truth beyond fact with that that harry is he is so buttoned up. He knows everything. He he you know and the thing is he zeroes it out and he knows how to get it back, but he won't share it with anybody. And there are characters per, you know that perpetuate throughout it that are asking him, "How did you do this job?" and he won't tell them. Yeah. Um and because now I want his name, uh his his assistant John and I, I think it's Kazali who also plays yeah. Fredo in the Godfather films. You know, is a character that you immediately see just how frustrating it is to be with somebody like that that's so buttoned up that is so perfect and turns things back because he's paranoid he won't even this is a man that works with him and he won't even share with him right he can't share with this woman in in your whole idea of that his uh foreplay skills suck <laughs> woman he can't even open up to her and when he does kind of open up to her it actually betrays him which only submits his belief of holding it within again and you have to think of that this film comes out right at the time of Watergate with mm -hmm. buggings and tape recordings. And so the paranoia that ensues feeds into that. Real quick. Cool. I'm sorry. Go ahead. 
I, th- I think when you look at films like Sneakers, then also Enemy of the State uh, by Tony Scott, really Scott's younger brother, uh, where Gene Hackman plays a character that wears the same kind of uh, plastic raincoat, has the same kind of little uh, area where he works. You can see how much this film, this quiet little film, influenced generations of filmmakers. So I'm sorry to interrupt because you were putting there, but my old brain didn't want to lose it. So we had a situation in Dr. Strangelove Mm -hmm. in which the whole sequence where they're going through and and doing the nuclear codes and Mm -hmm. and they built one of those big B-1 bombers or whatever it was at the time just off of notes. And it was so accurate. The government got interested and said like, Hey, how are you getting your information? Cause this is kind of close to what actually happens. The same thing happened with this movie and surveillance. And you, and, and you reminded me, I read something where, um, people watched the movie and the Watergate thing was going on. And the government also kind of knocked on the door of Francis Ford Coppola and said, Hey, your, your methods of using these microphones and the way that things are backed up and recorded and all this other stuff, where, where are you getting your information? Cause it was very close to what, and the tactics that were used during that time for surveillance. So I'm sorry that kind of caught me and I, I wanted to get it out, but I, but I think that's interesting. And to me, it's, I don't know if it, if the directors are have an inside line or maybe you're just protecting that person or they're just so creative. They come up with a, a unique solution, right? Cause we, we talked about with uh, Spielberg on jaws problem solving is a huge portion of being a director and coming up and solving problems. So I'm thinking, you know, maybe some of these great directors you're just trying to figure out how it would be done, come up with a creative way to do it that actually kind of mimics what really happens when people are trying to surveil or tail people and record their conversations. I, you know, I, I think you're absolutely onto something with the latter part. I, I don't think I've never heard Coppola say that he had anyone. I'm sure he spoke to somebody, but for these kind of things, I think it is that creative idea, the, the idea that, well, I need this to work. What if it did this and this and this? And you happen to touch on other creative ideas by people in the industry without knowing it. Uh, it is just an incredibly inventive film. It's a very smart film. Even some of the the directing choices uh, in that scene with the the bad foreplay, the camera work where it's even the camera work almost can't get into the moment. It's he he uses everything in this film to the absolute top of the ability. Uh, this is also co-edited by Walter Murch, who famous 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 editor in the industry. Uh, he he actually is listed as supervising editor and sound designer, but it was much more than that. Anytime anybody ever talks to me about films of that era and the seventies is by far my favorite film era. I grew up in that era. And so I was exposed to a lot of these, the conversation is at the top of my list that I always bring up. You, you can watch the Godfather films and they are masterful films, but they're also incredibly, I don't want to say easy narratives. They're not easy at all, but they're easy to get into as an audience because there's so much uh, titillating type stuff of death and sex and betrayal this is not that this is a super quiet film about a man who gets consumed by something and gets pulled into something that he never wanted to be a part of. I I compel everybody out there when you're looking for things to watch nowadays, look for things like this, go back in time there. You're never going to catch up on all the great movies. You're just not gonna do it. I'm still trying to go down the great movie path. This is a great place for everyone to start. 
And I and I and your idea of during this this time period to go back and revisit some of these is fantastic. Because I think one of the good things we had here is we have you with your with with all of your knowledge on film and everything, <clears throat> and me being kind of the 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 idiot the the Ollie of the group. Um, it, it just you know opens up some doors. So yeah, take you know take some time, watch this film, get exposed to it. Hey, if it's not your thing, it's not your thing. Totally totally respect that. But what we're gonna try and do, and we'll release some stuff on on Twitter and whatnot when we do it. Todd had the great idea of putting it out there first, what movie we're going to watch so that you, the kind listener, have an opportunity to listen to it. And then we'll have the discussion. And if you have an email or, or some thoughts on it, and then we can be, do a little proactive thing as far as feedback and, 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 you know, it's the other kind radio movie club or whatever we want to do. So we, I know, um, we're over time. I know, um, we don't have, uh, the time right now to, to announce what movie we'll do, but Todd and I do have a scheduled conversation for later today and maybe we can uh, throw something out there and we'll be posting it on social media as far as what we're going to watch. So uh, before I get into the final parts of the show here, Todd, I want to thank you for your time today. I know we're running long. Uh, final thoughts, conclusions from today's episode. Final thoughts. IMDB has Gene Hackman listed as six, one and a half inches. Okay. Harrison Ford, do you want to take a guess? Five nine. <laughs> no, six foot. Really? Yeah. You must have had some lifts in because I think what I was trying to m- mention in my notes that I took so long ago was that Gene Hackman towers over him in the film, and that just might have been Francis Ford Coppola um, doing some movie magic or trying to send a power thing. I definitely think that's probably true. I think that you 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 can camera angles and they may intend it they may even put uh gene hackman on an apple credit uh, yeah. apple box that so it boosts him up by the way is an interesting note this was his first major film after american graffiti harrison ford wow and a small part too yeah but it's one of the reasons that uh george famously did not want harrison for the role of han solo even though he had him read with everybody on all the uh the auditions he was like, hey, well, Francis, you used him in the conversation. I had him in American Graffiti. I don't want him just to be this actor we go to. Thank God he did. Well, and I also heard that because because he was also working as a carpenter on the Star Wars set, and he was having to do the read-ins, and, and he pretty much did what any of us would do if we were reading for a part we weren't going to have or be a part of. He was kind of snarky with the, yeah. with the role, and it finally caught on. They were like, oh, this is kind of the personality we're we're looking for. You know, in, 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 uh, what was he a, um, he was a smuggler. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it, look, it, like just said, Harrison Ford, super young at this time. God, I mean, e- even a, a prettier man than what you remember him as Indiana Jones. You're just like, whoa, look at yeah. that young kid. I mean, he's good looking. It's, it's a wonder he wasn't a Hollywood star at that time. He's so striking in this film. Right. All right, Todd, thank you so much uh, for all that information. Thank you, the kind listener, for listening. I want to remind everybody, if you are a first-time listener, you're congratulated on finding us among the plethora of podcasts out there. Todd and I are glad you're here, glad you listened, and uh, want to encourage you to follow us on Twitter. Uh, I think it's TOK Radio. And then uh, if you want to email us, you're more than welcome to. Uh, the email address is real simple, info info at theotherkindradio.com, info at theotherkindradio.com, or... 
And we have received some calls, but still no messages. 214-843-1149. 214-843-1149 if you want to give us some thoughts on today's episode. All right, that's going to do it for us. I actually have the right button cue today. So we're going to say thank you for listening. Stay safe. And remember, the other kind we are the other kind of radio. radio. The other kind of radio. The other kind of bringing up.